Coffee Talk includes real talk that may not vibe with some listener preferences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, glad you could join us on Coffee Talk. I'm Jesse, And I'm Kat. We're two friends that could not be more different. Besides our love for multiple beverages and melodramatic TV shows. We drink coffee. Talk about coffee. Catch up with you all. And have a real good coffee talk. What up, what up, what up? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> My home skillets. Home skillet biscuit. Remember when that was a legitimate thing to say to people? Like, I don't home. know that it ever was. I thought there was some like phrase with biscuit in it. Like home... I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure that, that we're the right reference for that. Home skillet biscuit phrase. You know your whole computer vibrates when you type? I know, it's because it's up on a fancy stand, so if I use the thing, it's like shaking. I told you, okay, urbandictionary.com, home skillet biscuit. Basically, it's a noun. Basically means homey friend or best friend. It comes from an episode of That's So Raven. Bye-bye. Okay, you know what? Maybe maybe I should just leave. Maybe it should be you and Badger that come in here because <laughs> I don't know any of the references that y'all cool The kids have. these days. Yeah, I'm just not cool enough. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just leave. Maybe I should just, you know, stay behind the curtain, do the web design, you know, manage the finances, and I don't think I could talk to like cooler friends. Don't. don't <laughs> like, talk I, to don't me. Think, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think I could converse as openly with a uh, badger. Anyways, hello and welcome to episode twenty-one of Coffee Talk. Jesse, what are you drinking for this episode? Nothing. I ran out of water. <gasps> You didn't even bother to get a coffee for the episode or a drink. Actually, it's too late, and I, I'm old, and I can't have caffeine that late, I guess. So, yeah. What about you? What are you drinking? I have my favorite juice in the world. It is from Trader Joe's, and it is the purple juice, and it's got a whole bunch of purpley-type fruits and vegetables in it. I... Couldn't tell you what, but it tastes really good. It kind of tastes like a berry-type drink. And Jesse and I love this juice. We used to drink it all the time in high school. And it's my favorite juice. And also, if anyone gets the Acai Berry Boost at Tropical Smoothie Cafe, it tastes very similar to that, which is also coincidentally my favorite smoothie there. So, I would highly recommend. It is great. And I'm having it in this really cute glass. Sorry to the people that can't see this, but I got this glass for my birthday from a really good friend and it is hand-blown glass and I think it's from like Thailand or something like that, but it's so pretty. But I'm kind of pissed because one of my boy roommates broke the other one the other day. Yeah, I mean, he offered to buy new ones, but it's like... It's not the same. So this is the Lone Survivor and it's blue, which is like my favorite color. Yeah, it's really cool. I was going to ask if it was, like, hand-blown. Mm-hmm. That's very Sorry. cool. I thought you were drinking wine originally. You know me, I don't like wine. <laughs> I just don't get that. I think you just haven't found the right wine. 
you were probably correct on that. I, oh my god, okay, I take that back. I did find the right wine. Um, uh, Goldie took me out for our three and a half year anniversary to a really fancy steakhouse in town. And they made a recommendation on a wine that was so good, it tasted like juice. So basically, I don't like wine, I like juice. Um, it ended up being a really pretty cheap <laughs> bottle of wine. But what that's was okay. it? Um, I will have to find it, but it was a white wine and it was a very no sweet, it was a very sweet wine. Um, you know, I did take a picture, so I, I'll definitely go try to find that and then we can start our conversation. I'll let you know if I find something. Okay, have you ever tried plum wine? Like at a, at so. like a Chinese restaurant or a Thai no. restaurant? I've never gotten like alcohol or wine or whatever, usually ever with dinner. Oh, really? Oh, I'm a big beverage person. You'd like plum wine. It is like dessert. Mm. It is so sweet. And it's like very good. It's just um gives me a headache. I can't have that much sweetness. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so I'm not having anything. You're having the best juice in the world. And I love oh, this my juice. favorite tropical smoothie smoothie is avocado. I just wanted to add my opinion in. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay, and what what's the next question? I always forget what the other one is. How have it's you not been? music. How have you been? <laughs> um, yes, how have you been? Oh, I found the wine. Okay. It's The brand is Tintero, and it's a Moscato, actually. Oh. And it's Diasti. I don't know, I don't what, know that what that means, but I know what a Moscato is. But it's quite good. And it was sweet, but not too sweet. And I don't like dry, so it was, it was great all around. Is it a California wine? Tintero sounds California. You, your guess is as good as mine. I just know when I Googled it, it's about 14 bucks on GoPuff, so <laughs> it's not expensive. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like you like cheap wine. Yeah, I also like rosé, other pink wines. I just can't do red, it's just usually too bitter, but then again, I'm not a big dark chocolate person, like I'm just not a big bitter person, so. I am such a bitter person. Oh, I am I bitter and I am salty. I know you are. Okay, I yeah. love salty though, salty is my favorite. I, I like salty over sweet, definitely. I like bitter, salty, and sour. I don't mm. like sweet. Sour. Okay, interesting. Um, how have you been? Uh, I have been so much. I've Please been share. All the things. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? I categorize them. Okay. Which which do you want first? Oh, oh, I literally oh. categorize them. Um, um, <laughs> um, bad news first. I always like bad news first. Okay. Um, I cannot manage keeping a tight LSAT prep schedule. Um, it's just, it's a real struggle. Uh, second, I fly to KC end of September for a foot consult. And then they'll probably schedule for surgery, um, not within the time that I'm there. So I'll probably have to find another flight back at some later date to actually get the surgery. And then I'll have to stay in KC to heal so that I can make it back to my home. So um, yeah, so that, I'm dreading that. Really don't like people touching my feet even when they're not cutting it open. Um, <laughs> still losing weight uncontrollably uh i eat so much people i eat so much not malnourished so don't know what's that what that uh, uh, bleh, what that is about 
Um, and then I also have to call my insurance to see if the genetics appointment that I have um, is uh, covered. And if it's not, then I have to find someone else to schedule with a year in advance because that's the best you can do. <sighs> yep. So Yeehaw. that's bad news. And then good news. So that was just the bad news. <laughs> the good news. You know what's even worse, too, is that even though Jesse like, has to be in Kansas, we're just going to barely miss each other like three separate times, which is just so annoying. But hopefully if you do end up having to go back and like recover in Kansas and all that, it'll be at a point when um, maybe like over the holidays or something when I'm there for a while, too. Yeah, I don't think I'll get to have a lot of decisions on when... Uh, they can schedule the surgery because I'm probably going to take the first opportunity that they can give me. Fair. Um, but yeah, you are required. It's it's going to be like your graduation where you're required to visit me because my feet are broken. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I got you. Good awesome. news. Okay, good news. I went to Chicago as like an early B-Day present to myself with Badger and it was so much fun. The most fun vacation oh, I I've probably Chicago. ever had. And I went to such a bougie hotel. It was such a sexy hotel. Oh, man. Anyways. And then I'm going to St. Louis this weekend to do a late birthday party with my family. And I made a friend. So uh, I think last episode I talked about having a coffee date I was nervous about. So that went super well. We're like Yay. total besties, as the kids say. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Slow down there. That's All right. my title. Bitch. Okay, um, a runner-up. And she's just so smart and a little edgy and pretty. Mm-hmm. So that's well, also, I got my big tattoo appointment scheduled, like my big, like thousand dollar <laughs> appointment scheduled for November. Yay! I'm so excited! It's gonna cost so much money. I'm gonna cry when I pay for it. It's gonna look so good. It's gonna look so good. But that's it. That's all my news. How how have you been? Was there anything left for you? <laughs> Making nice. Um. If you want to categorize it into bad and good, okay, yeah, which do you like first? I always want the bad news first. I save the best for last. I am so similar to you in that aspect. Bad news, um, I'm just, like, drowning again. I swear to God, like, we've been doing this for about a year now. I think we actually are coming up on our year anniversary of our first episode. But I'm, I'm so bad about this where, like, I just go through these periods where I'm just drowning. It's not even, like... It's like, how the hell do I go from this situation where, like, life is pretty calm? And then even though I know what's coming and I can prepare for what's coming, it's like all of a sudden for then two to three months, I just, like, can't, I can't breathe. So anyways, going through that period, you know, I guess the June, July, like, chill time was, was nice. Um, I don't have any fucking time anymore. I am succeeding at my job so much that they just asked me to go to a conference with them like next week in Vegas and I'm gonna go because it's gonna be a great opportunity but like I'm gonna be very alone in that um because it's just gonna be me and my CEO and my CFO 
And we're a really small company, so it's not weird. Like I literally interact 10 times a day with my CEO and CFO. So like I know them just as well as I know any other coworker. But they're a married couple, first of all, and they're also like in their, I think they're in their 40s. I can't imagine them being in their 50s. But they also have five children. So I'm like, I don't know the timeline, but anyways, the point is, is that it's just gonna be a very interesting dynamic because it's not like I'm gonna have other coworkers there that are my age or anything. And so, I don't know, but I'm doing so well that like it's causing me to start drowning during the day. My days go by so fast because I've got a million freaking things to do every day and it's like gone in the blink of an eye. So anyways, my days are just absolutely flying by and it's like a good thing to be busy with, but I am consistently staying 15 to 20 minutes late every day. Like I'm really getting out closer to 5:20, 5:30 rather than 5. And um the main reason why I'm struggling to stay afloat right now is vet school applications. They are going to be submitted at the end of this week, so like hell yeah. But almost done, I just got to make it a little bit longer, but it's just been hell on wheels because I've decided to edit a lot more than I thought I would from last year's applications. And because of that, it's not like I'm starting over, but I am definitely having to do like a lot. Um, so yeah, but some really, those are just, just it. That's just it. Um, the good news, <laughs> the good news is, is that things are going super well at work. <laughs> And also, um, I'm making amazing connections. Like I told you, told you all that I work with veterinarians. I've connected with this one veterinarian who like loves me and has been the most encouraging and random ally for my experience through vet school applications. And I'm not going to like disclose much of this, but there was a, a school that she's a, um, an alma mater of, and she's like, when you get an interview, not if, cause I know you're going to. She's like, I'm going to put in a good word on your behalf because I have so many ties to this university still. Um, I guess she was like the class president or something like that when she was in vet school there. So anyways, like I've just made connections that I can literally see lasting for years, even if it's just a network type connection. Um, That's awesome. So some really encouraging things have been happening in my life in that aspect and my professional life too is like flourishing right now, which is really exciting because I thrive on that. Um, things with Goldie are great. Things with the dogs are great. Love our house still. A lot of really good things are still happening, like good things happening for my mom. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a lot of things are changing and it's very interesting. So that's like my little life update. Just, you're, you're just a little, just a little update. Just a little one. <laughs> yeah. I, I just You can't. look like you're like, save me. <laughs> I, dude, I've got to get these stupid applications in. Like, I, this, this is like really depressing. But last year, I was so excited to be done with them. Because this is like the worst process I've ever had to do in my life, you guys. Like, I can stick it up for a lot, but this is horrible. Applications are horrible. So worst time of my life, right? And like, I had to, you know, do it the one year and then withdrew. And then I did it last year too. And then, um, like, I was so excited to never have to do that again. And now I have to do it. 
So I'm doing it again and I'm sucking it up because I have to. I, I literally have to. I don't have another choice. But I swear to God. It'll be fine because it has to be fine. I am not doing like I'm getting in this year. There's literally, there's literally no other option. It's like how I feel on the inside. But like I'm not quite to the deadline that you're at. So I'm like, you're you're where I'm going to be like three months from now. When I'm like right at the edge of taking the LSAT and I'm like, this is it. There is no other option. There just I isn't. am going to succeed. God damn it. <laughs> oh my gosh, speaking of uh, drowning though, I guess, no, that's an exaggeration for me. Um, I have never been so confused. I started really doing my due diligence on research into what law schools I'm really going to apply to because it's all super expensive to apply, you know? Right. So you have to be picky choosy about which ones you apply to. So I decided that- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just laughing because <laughs> I'm applying to 15 schools. <laughs> I think you've lost your mind. You think? Yeah. Um. But uh, anyways, so I'm like trying to get it get it down and like figure out which ones. And the more research I do, the more confused I get. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the ones that have the best programs for what I am. Okay, so half of the tier one law schools have a bar passage rate below the national average so Weird. why the How hell would i go sense. to a law school that can't get their people past the bar like right how does that work yeah so i cut all of those out and then um some of the ones that i really like that have a high bar passage rate have like an emissions rate below 20 percent so then that brings it lower on the list of probability to apply and then and then there's location so like i really like this program in tulane but tulane's in new orleans and right now i don't know if you noticed but they're like underwater and being blown away I, yeah, yeah so so i i literally had to take them off my list i'm like i can't i can i can handle tornadoes i can handle blizzards i could probably handle an earthquake but i am not sure that i could handle a, a hurricane. I, I'm not sure I'm built for that. I'm not sure I'm strong enough. So Fair, relatable. So I took it off my list because I genuinely don't don't want to be present during a hurricane. Good <laughs> or call. even near one. I'm not sure that I... <laughs> I think that might be one of my top fears. Like, uh, the more I did research and then the hurricane happened, like, right after I added it to my list, I'm like, oh my god. Like, Subtract! <laughs> so yeah so moral of the story uh there is no perfect option i have found there is always something wrong with every school (laughs) that i add to my list okay um either because of bar passage rate location it's crazy to me um acceptance rate or uh lsat score Mm -hmm. so 
Well, Elsa score is like a maybe, because I don't actually know. I, I don't know until I take it, so. It may, it may make my decision for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Might start looking at tier four law schools. <laughs> Baby, you just gotta get in, okay, honey? <laughs> You're like, just add that school you know nothing about. <laughs> I literally have a Caribbean school on my list. And I'm not trying to shit on the Caribbean schools. It's very, like, legitimate. You get to live in a beautiful place for four years, like, yes. But they by far take the most students because they have the largest facilities and they still have an excellent, so we take the NAVALI, which is our board exam at the, on our senior year um, hmm. to practice veterinary medicine. It's like the North American Veterinary Licensing Exam, I think is what it stands for. That is so sexy. The NAVALI. <sighs> the NAVALI. I wish they called, I wish, <laughs> this is really weird. It sounds like NAVAL. NAVAL. I used yeah. to think it was the NAVAL and I'm like, I mean, that makes more naval. sense. But then I think that just, maybe people just didn't like this. So it's anyways, pronounce the navel I like, I like a good navel. Yeah. Oh, anyways. Um, yeah, Isn't so they have a navel great- navel a belly button? Yes, but I don't like the way you said that. Oh. Oh, that was pretty <laughs> benign. Um, anywho, they have a great navel passing rate and all these other things, but like, Girls gotta do what a girl's gotta do. And if this random ass Caribbean school is gonna take me in. Then I guess I'll just have to visit you in the Caribbean. Right. And and my double the amount of student loan literally double the amount of student loan debt and then Goldie couldn't follow me and I'd be away from the dogs and my mom, but you know, yeah. Yeah. But I'd visit you. <laughs> but Jesse would visit me, so <laughs> I mean, you make it sound like, like that's not enough. Jesse, I can barely be away from you for a period of time. How do you think like my, my little fragile soul could be away from all the people Literally I love? Literally everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Everyone for like a 12 hour plane ride. Yeah, I, yeah. You would spend so much on tickets. I would You'd spend be like, so much on therapy. <laughs> that too. No, but I can just see you being like, like justifying the thousand dollar tickets like every holiday. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're already justifying it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, anyways, what are you listening to? Oh, God, um, oh, I wanted (laughs) to do a, I wanted to do a shout-out, uh, to Rumors, the new hit single, uh, with, um, Lizzo and Cardi B, Straight Fire. It was real good. You should listen to it. Okay. What about you? Um, I wish I could say that I have listened to the new Kanye West album. I have not. Um, I've heard some of it's really good. Um, I'll listen to it when I get to it. It's not worth my prioritization. Okay. I have been listening to my summer playlist. I've added some stuff to it. Let me, for example, um, I really like 
I've gotten like older songs, you know, the songs we used to jam to when we were kids and we couldn't quite appreciate it because they were like party songs and we were a little too young at that point, but now it's like, man, this is awesome. But we need to get on to our topic. We did the thing where we spent half an hour on the intro stuff. You know what? It's, it's not my fault. No, it's not. Um, I had to drop a bomb on Jessie earlier and she's still recovering. Um, introduction, yeah. <laughs> introduction of the topic. So we're going to talk a little bit, I don't know, we kind of didn't know what to talk, or <laughs> didn't know what to name this other than job loyalty, so that's kind of a very overarching theme. Um, we're not just going to talk about job loyalty, we're just going to talk a little bit about how COVID may or may not have created a work crisis where no one wants to work, but is that really true? Slash loyalty to employers and really just delving into working at our generational level slash in today's society because it's really interesting and I feel like things are getting shaken up every decade in a big way. So let's start off with some statistics just about employment. So Jesse, take us away. So I am in it to win it with the stats this time. Yes. You know, put your seatbelts on. Okay. I'm buckled up. Employment rate in the United States averaged 59.22% from 1948 until 2021. That is from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, It hit a record low uh, in April of 21, or of 2020, sorry, not 21, April 2020, at 51.3%. So it went from average 59 to... 51. So that's a, you know, 8% drop. Um, it's back up, but not yet recorded. So like, we don't actually know what the employment rate is as of July, 2021. Um, the total non-form, non, I almost said non-form, the total non-farm payroll employment rose by 943,000 in July. Um, Unemployment rate declined by 0.5% in July. Uh, And of course, this is still by the same Bureau of Labor. Um, And then uh, the proportion of workers who worked full time year round in 2019 as our like baseline was uh, 70.2%. And as of July, 2021, full time employment made up 83.2% of all employment. Hmm. So of those employed, 83%. That's higher than it was in 2019, despite the, you know, labor crisis of, of 2020. Um, and then, uh, so, so that's the stats. And to break it down for you, give you a summary. The pandemic obviously caused a huge unemployment spike in from February to April of 2020, and then sharply fell actually after this period and has only been just below where we were pre-COVID um, ever since. So basically when it, when you look at a chart of unemployment, it's like down here and then you get to close to April and it ju- juts up and then it falls back down and is like almost back down to where it was. So really it was kind of just a spurt, a hiccup. I know it didn't feel that way, trust me, but it was statistically uh, a glitch and then it went back. Um, So the people, and out of that, um, to this point, the people who work mostly work full time. 
and those who are unemployed are mostly unemployed for five weeks or less. So, in conclusion, what the hell is everybody talking about nobody wants to work? That is statistically false. Yeah. That's just not true. Like, I don't know what people are talking about. The stats show a huge motivation to work and to work full-time. So, shut the hell up. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Alright, so, I want to get into the nitty-gritty. The whole premise of this topic today. No one wants to work. What are your thoughts? I have a different opinion on this um, than I think you do, but basically... I think this whole pandemic caused a huge shift in a lot of people's career paths. And so I think what happened is a lot of people just got so burnt out on their jobs, whether it was because the pandemic created a surge or a crisis. So they were either like overloaded to the max for a year or they were underwhelmed and practically out of business because they had no business for a year to a year and a half. And so I think a lot of career shifts happened. I think a lot of people left jobs. I think a lot of people were fired from jobs. And I think that a lot of open positions came about because also there's just growth in general, like even in a pandemic year, for example, the animal health industry shot up in the pandemic, like veterinarians are at more of a shortage now than like ever before. And it's crazy because this profession is expected to double in size in I think about 20 years. So It is insane right now. And like my company, for example, has over 700 open job positions all across the country. And those are just for associate veterinarian positions. And associate vet positions are like the standard veterinarian you see like in a hospital that you bring your your pets to. Um, And so it's just, it's wild. And that's only one vector. However, about 40% of veterinarians right now are trying to leave private practice and go into industry. And so going into industry are the roles that you see for veterinarians, like in pet food or pharmaceuticals, or maybe that means they're going to be in a leadership role where they oversee a bunch of hospitals within a corporate network, um, or they might have a travel position um, and be like a relations specialist. They, so the point is, is industry is like anything that's not clinical practice. Um, and 40% of veterinarians literally want to leave private practice to go industry because they're so burnt out from the shit that happened in the COVID year. Not only is the veterinary profession the number two profession in the world for highest suicide rates, but like, think about how many people needed veterinarians in this year more than usual, and then just continue to use them as a punching bag. So the point is, is it's not surprising, but I'm using that as an example that there's been a lot of shift in even one like realm or whatever, there's a huge shift from one aspect of it to a completely different aspect to it. So there's a huge shortage in associate veterinarians, people that want to be in standard private practice. So I think that the reason why people have this illusion that there's a job shortage is because they do see so many jobs open. But according to the statistics, it's not necessarily different than any other year. I just think it's exasperated because so many people became like either paranoid or hyper aware of employment situations because of COVID, also because of politics. Like, let's not pretend that a huge point of contingency for Trump fans was all about like him restoring the economy or whatever and trying to like bring jobs back. Um, 
And when it's comical that <laughs> we're not going to get into politics right now, actually. Um, or we're going to be here for like two hours. This literally is a political conversation. Well. <laughs> well. Anyways. Um, basically, I think that it's been at the forefront of our minds, which is why it seems so much more of a problem than it normally is. Um, and I also don't think that it's no one wants to work. I think whether it's the COVID year or just because society seems to be gravitating towards this in general, people are really putting up with a lot less crap in the workforce. And if they don't like a job, they're leaving. And if they're not happy, they're telling their employer about it. And if a job offer isn't good enough, they're not taking it. And I think that that baffles employers that are still trying to you know, either pay minimum wage for a full-time position that should be making above minimum wage, or they're just trying to sell them the bare minimum, and they're pissed because people used to just be so desperate for a job that if the right one came along, even if it was horrible benefits and undervalued pay, they were going to take it. And now people are like, no. And if you can't also offer me a work-from-home option, because I know that we could work from home, then I'm definitely not going to take it. And I think that's just angered a lot of employers and they're crying about a, you know, work crisis and a job, you know, crisis where there's not enough workers to fulfill these jobs. And it's like, is there not enough workers to fulfill these jobs or are you just not willing to actually offer a decent enough package to entice good workers to your career? That's my spiel. How how do we have a different opinion on this? Well, I think I was going to bring up, not necessarily opposing, but that I was going to bring up a different side of things, because I knew Uh you were going to talk about, like, something different. So that's like, I was just saying I have a different perspective. Got it. But it's not opposing yours. Got it. Okay. Yeah, because I totally agree with all of that. Um, I think, I yeah, and I'm not sure if it's, like, people realizing, like, their own mortality. And, like, realizing that, like, life's too short to like be in a shitty job yeah and like be treated like shit like by your employer and like get workplace harassment or like toxic work work, or hostile work environments or just like getting paid like shit and like not getting benefits and not getting to you know be home for christmas with your kids because you're working you know on a on a blackout day or whatever right um so i just think i just think it's wild that of the of the uh, job culture change that some people are coming to the conclusion that people don't want to work right like like, uh, like you see these help wanted signs at fast food restaurants and your first thought is oh people don't want to work people no. just don't want to work at fast food yeah people don't want to work for you right right <laughs> like like you like you're having staffing issues at your dirty old chilies on the highway and you think it's because people don't want to work you're not hot shit like (laughs) in fact you probably treat your employees like shit in addition to providing menial pay no benefits non-accommodating schedule practices like like the one commonality of the people who say this shit are are people who have a poor opinion of the working class even though many times they are a member of the working, of the class. working class right yeah like it's not rich people who go to five-star restaurants saying nobody wants to work mm-hmm. it's like 
True. That's actually Bob, very true. It's like Bob down Why? the road who, like, you know, does his own family-owned lawn mowing business and goes to McDonald's and says, oh, nobody wants to work because they're understaffed because the drive through is too long. Right, but I wonder why. Like, I've always wondered that. Like, why people, like, in their current class situation shit on other people in their current class situation, even though they're not that different. They support trickle-down economics, which has been proven not to work, so they don't want to shit on really wealthy people, but then they shit on the people that can't even make a living wage, and they're like, well, then you should get another job. It is absolute delusion. It is like a cultural delusion of capitalism that you have something in common with your boss. You don't. I do not have anything in common with with Kim Kardashian. I do not have anything in common with Donald Trump. I don't have anything in common with the CEO of the company I work for. We don't have anything in common. We might both like, you know, Etsy. We might really both like shop on Etsy, but they're buying $500 antiques on Etsy and I'm buying the cheapest, you know, recycled tote bag I can find. Mm-hmm. I was I was searching for cheap recycled tote yeah, bags. Yeah. No, there's a little bit of truth in that one. I can feel the pain in your voice. Yeah, I was. I'm a little. Anyways, I'm feeling a little raw about it. But yeah, I just like what a horrible person you must be to think that because people are not applying for positions where they can't sit down while working they can't they yeah they have allotted bathroom breaks they you know like uh some some people can't even like leave site during breaks like they can't go off site they have to stay on site Hmm. like that's and your and your thought is nobody wants to work people just want to stay home that I just it blows my mind like what a like what shit you believe and also I think this also comes down to because there's some connection there's some connection between the uh, belief that people are collecting unemployment and people uh, only applying for jobs that are work from home or or at least have the option to work from home like somehow people who work from home aren't working. Right? Like most jobs, most white collar jobs can work from home. Which is really funny because it's like the business is almost a little bit screwed themselves because they said you couldn't work remote and then you had to work remote and then it was a pretty easy transition to work remote and then they're like, all right, time to come back in the office. And a lot of people are like, "Uh uh-huh, why? It's like, I save money on gas. I save money on not buying lunch. Yeah. Or or being late coming home and not having time to make dinner, like, and buying something on the way home. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, there are so many economic reasons to have people work from home, not just for the employee, but also for the employer. But aside from that, like, I have not heard from anyone who's a, who's a manager 
who is a boss, who owns their own business, who who runs like a, a regional site. I have not heard any of those kinds of people talk about having issues with people working well at home. As long as they're like doing the thing they're hired to do, I don't see what the problem is. As long as they're meeting their marks, as long as they're doing their tasks on time, like responding to emails, like all the things that you're supposed to do in a position that you're paid for, as long as you're hitting those metrics, like why? Does it matter where the hell you are? Exactly, exactly. And like, let the performance speak for itself. Like if they're not hitting their, you know, quarterly expectations or like if it's, you know, if they're um, offline during work hours or, or whatever, like that, you know, that's a reasonable employment issue. But that's the same issue that you could have at work. If somebody's spending like an hour in the bathroom and they come out and they're not covered in sweat, like, <laughs> like. And no, I have friends like that. They literally will go like sit in the bathroom for half an hour. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that. Like, when you're not being harassed at work, you tend to feel better working, you know? True. Like, I, I have had similar work now that I did when I was working in an, in an office space doing support. And I feel like I dedicate more time to this, to this work than I ever did in office. Because... Why would I want to work in an environment that I can't curate to my preferences? Right. Like, it's too cold in most offices. My fingers Bro, I'm cold all the time. My fingernails get, like, purple. Yes. Like, I know I'm going on a big rant. I'm going to stop no, myself. No, But I am, I am just livid at the, at the general lack of... It, it's like... It's like a lack of, you know, you know, like when, you know, like that kid in class that like purposefully misunderstands the teacher just so that they can like bring up a contradictory point mm-hmm. and just cause they want to argue, even if they're not bringing up a good point, they're just like purposefully misunderstanding the question. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like this argument is. Like you're purposefully misunderstanding. Like you just want to be mad. Yeah. Because like no reasonable person thinks no one wants to work. Like literally everyone works. People who are on disability work. People who are on unemployment work. Like like we we all make dinner. We all have to watch our kids. We all have to p- pick up the errands. We all have to pay for things. We all want money. We all mm-hmm. have a necessity to work. Like, I just, I just don't understand like how you can come to the conclusion that because you know nobody's working at your local Burger King and there's only two people left on staff who are willing to put up with the shit that like people are at home sitting on their asses all day. Right. Like, it's purposely misunderstanding the question. Like, we're over here doing multiplication, and they're, like, over here saying, like, you're doing addition wrong. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Okay. 
Do you want to work, Kat? Do you want to work? Uh, you know, that's a complicated question. Because, of course I want to work, I want to make money. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that right now I'm really emotional that I'm not going back to school. Because it's the first time in my life I'm not going back to school and it's August, or well technically it's September now. But like, I've never had this before and it is kind of saddening, honestly. And I'm pretty eager to get back to the school routine next year in vet school because I feel so unfinished with it. I mean, obviously, like I've still got four years of school. It makes sense why in my psyche, I'm like, you're not done with school. You should be in school right now. But um, I do want to work and I want to work in the job I want, which is being a veterinarian. And to be a veterinarian, I have to go to more school. So that's why I want to go to school. I don't think it's necessarily an aversion to work. And like, even in the times when I have been a full-time student, like I've still worked on the side, whether I got paid for extracurriculars that I was involved in at my university because they would pay minimum wage because these jobs were like part-time positions or whether it was um, like literally working on the side as a DoorDash driver or a tutor or something like that to make a little bit of extra cash. I was always trying to bring in a little bit of income. Like everyone's always trying to hustle to bring in a little bit of extra income. Even if you're a student, like even if you've got a full-time job, you might still start exploring a side hustle. Like, yes, I want to work, but I also want to work. And that also counts for something different. Like when I wasn't, I would say for a good point of this last semester, like spring 2021, I was driving for DoorDash, sure, but I spent a lot of my day like either working on school stuff, but I wasn't taking a lot of classes and my research was moving at a pretty slow pace because it was gradual. I had a lot of free time during the day and I was not sitting on my butt. Like I had the desire to still get up early in the mornings, like make my bed, you know, go through the motions, like get ready. I would literally get dressed up and look very nice every single day, even if I was going nowhere. And I still quote unquote works. Like you said, I did chores. I cooked, I cleaned up, I um, like ran errands, I kept a house running, you know, and I kept my life running. And I love little tasks like that. So yeah, I always have the desire to work, whether or not that's like working a full-time job or whatever, or just like working in the part of my life that like you have to work in to live and function. Like responsibility. Yeah. yeah. But I always have that desire. I very rarely hit those days where I'm like, I'm literally not getting up. But I mean, everyone has that too. So yeah, I want to work and I want to work to earn my keep too. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that like, we're not the rule. Right. Like, like I am self-aware that I am not the rule on my lifestyle. <laughs> right. At- all like I know people don't want to be going 100 miles per hour all day long and that's just like an innate need that they have I know that that's particular to me um but people people do have responsibilities whether they want responsibilities or not so people want to work whether they have that innate you know motivation to like be going 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 or if they have the Uh, just motivation to you know get from point a to point b like i need to pay my rent so i'm gonna work or whatever like you know people have those motivations but it is it is um what is that called like the pyramid of needs 
I don't remember Maslow's what. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, Ma- yeah, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, like, the job has to, the job has to uh, comply to those needs. Otherwise, it's gonna, you know, those needs are gonna trump the job, and people are gonna right. quit, or they're just not gonna apply. Like, there are certain things that I will not, I will not apply for. Right. Um, like, there's all kinds of jobs that. You know, since I started going to to college, my parents or friends or random people have been like, oh, this looks like something up your alley. And, you know, outside of just basic needs, like, there was one job that, like, they were trying to get me to apply to a think tank with the Koch brothers. No! No! I am not! I am not providing my beautiful thoughts yes i am not being a thinker for the Koch brothers like even if they're only distantly financing this this independent think tank like that threatens my integrity and not see something further from what you would want to do yeah absolutely not and and there's that's part of my Maslow's hierarchy of me. It's like, you cannot violate my integrity. Like, yeah. you cannot violate. You know, I could not be a, a... I'm trying to think of something realistic. I can only think of fantastical, like, Batman scenarios. Never mind. Uh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, like, there's that. But even in the more simple direction like obviously I went to work and when it comes to you know right now I'm not doing law school and I'm not obviously I'm like not working in my job career right now um but in general even outside of that I want to work like I because I want to pay bills like obviously I could fill my entire day with non-paid work Right. I absolutely could spend eight hours a day studying for the LSAT. And then there's the rest of my responsibilities. Like, and then I'm also learning French, uh, lest you forget. Like, I, I have shit to do. Like, work is, work is in my way, but it's something I need to do. And therefore it's so true. It is. It's in my way. I have so many other things to do that I don't have time for because I have to be at work. And that's a whole other conversation. But I do have the need to fill my time with something productive and something that gets me results. Mm -hmm. So obviously work is something that I have to make time for because I need to pay rent and I need to eat and I like having the luxuries of, of basic pleasantries like going out to a restaurant. So... I want to work for that reason. I like making money. I like I like performing well at jobs. Obviously, like I'm a perfectionist. Like I want I want to do a good job innately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I want to be rewar- and I want to be reward- rewarded for it. So like yeah. whether that means getting you know PTO, whether that means like I want to be financially rewarded for it. That is absolutely something that I want. Um, I love having a a co-worker network, so, like, where I can chat with my co-workers, where it's uninterrupted, like, that's really important to me. I think people who are like, why are you guys standing around talking? 
like yeah if they're literally not doing anything i get that but like people who are constantly like basically like shut up and work like that's that's a toxic work environment and i don't want to be in that and i won't apply for your job if i see that shit right and i'm trying to think of like the last thing um oh and i also just like need a a manager who trusts my judgment in calling off work like it's expensive to provide a doctor's note because most of the time most of the time when i'm sick or not feeling well and can't come to work the doctor can't help me so i'm not going to pay to go to the doctor for a worthless visit uh copay or whatever it's a waste of money so not only am i not getting paid because i'm not at work but i'm also having to spend money so that you can feel like my time off work was valid like no i'm not that's a toxic work environment in fact that's a hostile work environment yeah like absolutely not now if somebody's calling out for weeks at a time like then don't ask for a doctor's note, just be like, do you need to apply for, like, family leave? Like, you know, family or medical leave? Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like we need to be doing something different. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But those are just basic things. Like, I need to be able to be sick when I'm sick. I need to be able to get paid. I need to be right. rewarded for doing a good job. And I don't want a pat on the back. In fact, that's insulting to me. Like, leave me alone. I just want to work. Now, if I'm doing exceptionally better than everyone else, reward me for it. Yeah. It's not rewarding to be told I'm doing a good job. Or give better me than money. everyone else. Yeah, give me money. Give me a pay time off. Like, give it's a money. job. Like, it's a job. This isn't family time. This isn't, you know, being part of a club and, like, you want to tell me how well I've been involved in the club at the bake sale how will I bake and you want me to bake at every sale like no this is a paid job if you want to like money money talks in jobs yep and that's the only language I speak in jobs so good yeah um I'm trying to think if there's anything else yeah but basically if any of those things are not covered then I'm not doing I'm not doing the job yeah as you should yeah. Well, that kind of brings me to the topic that I was thinking about because I had a whole conversation the other day um, with some family friends and basically the older generation was making the argument that they don't like how disloyal um, the younger generations are to employers, like the whole model of, and I literally saw this the other day, like in my job, I literally saw a grown ass man that got an offer that was two times what his current salary was, a $50,000 signing bonus, fewer hours to work every week, working in a brand new facility, so top of the line, like state of the art, all clean. They wanted him so badly, they were willing to bring over and hire his entire tech team at his like old current position because he liked his tech so much. And I feel like whatever you're that, gonna say, I'm gonna cry. And it was a shorter commute to his house than his current position. And he was gonna get all these other opportunities that he had asked for on a continual basis at his old employer um, that they kept saying like, yeah, we'll do that. And then they never delivered. And then essentially he like got this fantastic mind blowing offer. Like he loved everything about it. And then his parents made him feel guilty enough about the idea of leaving a job that he essentially like turned it down 
And the crazy part is, is the reason he turned it down is because his current employer offered him a counter offer. They couldn't even match with his counter offer. They could not even match the other offer. And on top of that, like, I'm sorry, but in all my training, and when I say in all my training, I literally mean like I've done extensive recruiter training at this point and completed the courses. Like I can go get, I can go take a test at this point and go get like a certification as a recruitment consultant to add little initials to the end of my name. <laughs> That's like how much training I've done. Um, taking a counter offer is one of the worst, most suicidal career moves you can ever make. And it is very bad. And I don't need to delve into why, but like the point is, is that he accepted the counter offer. And I can say that in probably about six months, he's either one, gonna regret his decision because nothing is gonna change in his current workplace. It's still gonna be toxic. He's still gonna hate it. They're not gonna follow through on all the empty promises they made him. Or second of all, he's gonna be fired because he's now considered disloyal to the company. And they're gonna be looking for his replacement immediately and get him out of there as soon as possible. Because also they'll be able to hire someone for less than the counter offer that they had to make him. So he will be gone shortly enough. That's just generally how those things work. And the reason I started saying this is because it got into this whole conversation about how the older generations in America have this skewed mentality that you should stay in the same position from the day you start work until the day you retire. And that's why there was that whole golden watch club. Apparently, if you stay in a job your whole time, you get a gold watch. Um, and that it's considered disgraceful to a lot of older folk, like if, if people in their family take a different job because like, oh, you know, son, we're not the ones that quit and move to a better job. Like, what an, not only what an outdated concept, but I think it spills over into some of the generations that we um, that are like middle-aged right now because point is is we had this conversation with some family friends where they were like I hate how disloyal younger generations are to jobs these days Like if one thing is wrong they leave if like they don't have this one perfect part of the offer they leave like if blah 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 They have no loyalty they'll jump ship all this stuff and then myself and like the other the other younger members in this conversation were like well on the flip side we don't really owe employers anything anymore and the argument for that is just as uh, employees have stopped giving their entire lives to employers, employers have stopped giving so many benefits to employees. They're not giving them the kind of love and support and all these other things that used to exist in the olden times or whatever. And like, it's just a very, very different work environment, but there's still this outdated concept that you need to be loyal to your employer and like not take all your sick days. That was a huge part of the argument. It's like, it's frowned upon to take all of your sick or PTO days. Like you should never take all of your PTO days because that's disrespectful. It's literally paid time off. Why would right. you not take it? Because it's like, I guess, disrespectful to like take advantage of the full amount of the offer. And because, so- Because they're giving it out of the kindness of their hearts? I don't know. But my point is, is that it's a very interesting concept in my head. Like we're talking about job loyalty. Um, why people aren't loyal to the job anymore. And in my opinion, it's not really the employees that started the trend of not being loyal. It was the employers who don't hesitate to lay off if they need to. They don't give a shit who you are. If you've got a family at home, if they need to lay off someone to save their own job or do whatever they're gonna fire an employee 
So it's like that kind of trend started and employers started to try to pay people less and less, essentially their minimum rather than what they were comfortable with or above. Um, and just trying to skim by on all the benefits. Well, anyways, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting because I don't think employees started that trend. I think employers started getting really greedy and then they put at the expense of their employees and now the tables have turned where employers need employees and employees are like, screw you, I'm in the position of power and I'm not just gonna do whatever for a shitty position or a shitty offer. And then employers are the ones like, oh my God, have you seen that meme that's like, it was from some sort of skit, I think it was an SNL skit. And it's basically this guy and there's a guy in the background and the guy in the front has a gun and he turns around, shoots the guy, and then goes, oh my god, like, why did blank do that? Yeah. Have you seen that? It's like, that's like what the yeah. employers are doing. It's like, they turn around, shot the employees, and turn around and goes, oh my god, why'd they quit? Yeah, absolutely. So, anyways, that's my spiel about job loyalty and current generations. Well, and also, like, employers have always been shitty to employees. It's just we finally figured out that all of us were being treated shittily. <laughs> and Glass that it didn't have to be that way. A website. Like, Glassdoor became a website. We could start reviewing employers. We could start telling people, yeah, don't work for these people because they treat you like crap. They don't pay you well. Like, their bonuses do not exist. Yeah. Like, it's a scam you know, or this and that and the other thing. Like, people figured out that Mary Kay was a pyramid scheme, like, or whatever. Like, employers have always been shitty to employees. It's just we started figuring it out. Um, we started bolstering unions, and we also started bolstering our HR department. And we also integrated the workplace. So, like, the way you treat women started getting reported, the way you treat people of color started getting reported, like, yeah, it's easy to be loyal when you're in a boys club, when it's a community right. of white men, and you all get to harass the, the women that you pay, like, a quarter a day to be your secretary. It's yeah. it's not loyalty when you're only there because you're scared to leave. Like that's that's not loyalty. Like if you want my loyalty, make me want to stay. Right. Okay. Like like battered women who go back to their abusers aren't loyal to their abusers. They're just scared that something worse will happen <laughs> if they stay gone. Okay? Like, that's, there's no such thing as job loyalty. Like, that it's a myth. Grow up, okay? <laughs> like, that's not, that's not a thing. If you feel great at your job, that's great. That's great. You probably feel loyal to the profession. Mm. Okay? Like, your employers don't treat you well out of the kindness of their hearts. They treat you well because they have to. Okay? Or they might just be genuinely good people. But that's an exception. That's not the rule. At all. 
And the commonality that I think is great that you pointed out is that it's all old people. And I use old people as a slur. Because I don't think all people over the age of 50 are old. I think old people over the age of 50 are old. Okay. It's it's the people who, who say back in my day. It's right. the people who, you know, complain about the price of candy. Like, it's it's those people. Like, y'all are living in a myth. People are not not working. People are not lazy. People are struggling. And they're treated badly. And a lot of them are sick. And no one has cared for them. And no one has treated them with an ounce of respect. And you're telling them that they don't want to work? And it's and it's crazy because when I first heard this phrase, I thought it was, I thought it was because, um, I thought it was like a class or something. I thought it was like only rich, older people who were like close to retirement that were were saying nobody wants to work. But it's not. I literally had a pharmacy tech say this over the phone to me because I asked why my prescription wasn't ready on time. Hmm. And they said, well, nobody wants to work. We're overworked. Uh, I just had a, a pharmacist walk out for, for work stress. It's like, it doesn't sound like nobody wants to work. It sounds like people can't work in that work in that environment company. because it's too hostile and they're not paid enough to handle the stress. And they don't have enough resources for mental health care for their workers. That's what it sounds like. Like, like out of that scenario, how do you come up with nobody wants to work? Like, I just, it's two plus two equals fish. Where are right, you getting the like, fish? How, if they were, if they didn't want to work, then why were they literally just working at that job 10 seconds ago to the point that they were like broken because they were overworked? Exactly. Like it's, and it's so, and, and so, yeah, so I figured out it's not a class system thing. It's an, it's a generational thing. And, and I have a problem with it. I absolutely have a problem with it. Like, I don't owe someone who decided, who decided to hire me anything. It's a job. It's a transaction. If, if you want capitalism, that's what you got. This is a transaction. I am providing a service. You are paying me for it. If you stop paying me enough for it, or you never did pay me enough for it, I may stop doing that service. And I might go to provide other consumers that service. Yeah. Like, like you can't have it both ways. Right. Okay? You want to talk about snowflake emotional shit? You're going to cry everybody every time an, an employee that you don't treat well quits? Yeah. Maybe you should treat them better, you know? Like... Right. And it's, it's just so wild because I'm, like, mentally still stuck in this idea that, like, older... Like, that stereotype that, like, the older generation had more of, like, a politeness culture. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, they had, like, more manners. Like, people were, of you course. know, more polite to each other. That's just not true. Like, I don't know where that stereotype came from. Because I've never had the kinds of shit that has been said to me by people over the age of 50 said to me by anybody younger. <laughs> or, or even just around me. Yeah. Like... Like, it is wild the kind of crazy, rude, mean shit that people over the age of 50 say. Like, where, where, 
you need to learn some manners. You need to wash your mouth out with soap. Yeah, you need to wash your mouth out with soap. You need to learn some damn respect for other people. Because it just isn't there in that generation, okay? You want to talk about, like, generations, you know, not having respect or something? Let's talk about, let's talk about some, some, whatever they all, boomers. Let's talk about some boomers, okay? You need to learn some respect for your community. Yeah. And that's why I'm so mad. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That she, she's had two TED Talks this episode. That's when you know it's real. Whatever. Well, honestly, Jess, I think you ended that on a pretty perfect note. I, I've said all of my opinion on the matter. I pretty much agree with you on everything. And, um, yeah, just, it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting take and it's an interesting way that the work environment and culture and everything is just shifting right now. And it is funny to see like the companies that are complaining about either not being able to retain an employee or hire an employee. It's like, well, is that a problem with the employees or is that a problem with you, babe? Yeah, it's not the nice ones that are saying that. <laughs> right. Right. So nice I don't know. Aren't having employment issues. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's no, it's it's kind of batshit crazy time right now, that's for sure. And COVID yeah. has really just like sped up the insanity in the job market oh show. I just hope it keeps going. Like I'm into it. Like let's not take the bare minimum let's Let's not not put up with crappy anything yeah let's not you know get smacked by our employers and be expected to thank them for it you know right like let's let's all just try to be better people out of this i like it yeah okay jesse out well everyone Thank you for joining us on Coffee Talk for episode 21. We, this is the, well, we really didn't do announcements at the beginning of this, did we? Well, this is the first episode that we're doing that's on a month-by-month basis. So, as you all know, we posted on social media. We're going to be posting once a month now. Um, We'll make sure to talk more about this decision in the next episode, because obviously we didn't do that this time around, but that's okay. This is kind (laughs) of a a funny episode. So we'll talk about that in the next episode, but thank you for your patience and thank you for still being avid listeners. We love all of you and yeah, we will talk to you in a few weeks. Thank you for hanging out with Coffee Talk. Cover art is by our very own Jesse and Kat. Theme music is by Spencer Thutt. Background music is produced under Creative Commons. Coffee Talk is an independent podcast supported by two struggling 20-somethings, so we shamelessly beg our listeners to support the podcast by subscribing to our Patreon or donating through our website, coffeetalkpod.com. Talk to you soon! Bye.